You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Most gracious and ever-living God, I pray ultimately that uh, in the end, not my words, uh, but Jesus, your Son, your living word would remain, uh, and that through the power and the presence of your Spirit, uh, you would dwell within us. And all this I ask in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you along with me this morning to reflect on this portion from um, the prophet Habakkuk. Uh, and in this, uh, it's the prophet Habakkuk, it's only three chapters, uh, three chapters, and within those three chapters, and I encourage you um, to read through it, and in those three chapters, we see there's a dialogue of faith which is going on. And lately, uh, I don't know about you, but lately I've, I've been tuned into the news um, more um, than usual, and so as you might imagine, I, I find myself incredibly um, overwhelmed uh, as I tune into the news. Of course, we, we hear not only uh, about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the possibility of um, their using uh, nuclear weapons, but part of the reality of that as well, in addition to the tremendous um, uh, suffering and death and torture and all the things, the, the worst of humanity that comes out in those particular moments, in, in addition to um, uh, the tragedy which is going on in that particular place, is the realization as well, the way that the world is interconnected. Uh, and what happens in that particular place has an impact uh, on others. It has an impact um, on the world as a whole. It's something that, that comes down and has an impact on you and me as well. And I've been following um, the news about Hurricane Ian and traveling through places that, uh, that, that I know and love and that are dear to me and uh, people um, that I know and that I love and that I care for in those places. And I don't know if you have um, come across this, but the uh, the, the cautious estimates uh, of the amount of, of damage uh, is $30 billion, um, $30 um, billion worth uh, of damage caused um, by that single storm. And, and, and it's hard to imagine um, the resources and the time it'll take to begin to work on restoration. But one of the things of all of that, which, uh, which saddens me enormously, is uh, the realization um, that many of the people in the path of that storm did not have flood insurance. Uh, and, so, and so what that means, of course, even, even if they did, it's, uh, it brings into question the solvency of some of the insurance companies. But, but for the people that didn't have uh, flood insurance, what, they mean, what it means is that it's a total loss for them. Uh, they, uh, they have nothing. And typically the people without flood insurance aren't the people that can afford um, to replace that which has been lost, and so they, they find themselves in, in a place, uh, in, in a place um, of despair. And so, as I say, I've been reading the news a, a good bit lately, um, and I, I find it in many ways depressing um, and uh, overwhelming. And uh, that cheery beginning um, to today's sermon brings us um, to the prophet Habakkuk, because he says those words which are words that are true to the human condition. Habakkuk was a prophet around 600s BC. Uh, and despite all of that time and distance between us uh, and Habakkuk and his prophecy, um, 
The words are incredibly timely and pertinent to today. They're words that, that every person of faith says at one moment or another, O oh Lord, how long? How long, O oh Lord, is what the prophet Habakkuk says. And again, it's, it is an interaction, it's a dialogue of faith which is taking place. And, and part of the reality of our faith is that our faith is a relationship. Uh, our, our faith is, is more than just a, a process of thoughts and convictions. Our, our faith is something which is living and which is relational. And like any relationship, there is the breadth uh, of emotions that goes along with it. And we see the prophet Habakkuk is coming to God and is speaking to God, and he is angry, and he is upset, uh, and he is bewildered. How long, um, O oh Lord? Are you not paying attention, in essence, is what Habakkuk is saying. Do you not care? I thought we were your people. Uh, I can't believe we find ourselves. So Habakkuk sees the violence uh, of his day. He sees the Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians. And as you read through Habakkuk, you'll see he describes them poetically and yet powerfully as a people uh, whose boast and whose confidence is in their own strength and is in their own might. And their might um, and their strength is substantial. They sweep over um, the world um, as the people knew it. They, they come and they devour uh, and they take uh, without conscience, and they sweep on to the next. And Habakkuk cries out to God, how do you see this uh, and do nothing about it? I thought uh, we were your people. Uh, I mentioned uh, I've been more tuned in to the news uh, than, than recently, and uh, you know, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to adult, and so I'm reading the Atlantic and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and the various, but, but I want to be a man of breadth, so I've been tuning in to people um, a little bit uh, as, as well, just to give a good healthy breadth and perspective, because sometimes one needs a little escape, right? Uh, and I don't know about you, uh, but I've been following William and Kate and Harry and Margaret, uh, excuse me, uh, Harry and Meghan, um, you know, did, uh, did Megan give Kate the side eye? Um, did Kate give Megan the side eye? What did William's body language and Clint's fist really mean about his relationship with his brother? Um, one needs an escape from time to time. Uh, you know, Harry and Megan's children, what, what are their titles going to be? Is it going to be his and her royal highness or is it going to be count um, and countess? And so, um, you know, uh, having a little respite, but uh, in this, and... and <laughs> Before you become disconcerted, let me say this is a shallow dive. Uh, it wasn't a deep dive, but uh, in the process of this shallow dive, I, I came across um, the truth that not only are there issues right now uh, within the English monarchy, but also the Danish as well. Uh, that's right. Um, and uh, so uh, now with the passing of Elizabeth, who was a wonderful faithful, sincerely, a wonderful faithful um, servant, um, now the uh, longest reigning English uh, excuse me, the longest reigning European monarch is Queen Margaret uh, uh, of Denmark. Uh, and recently, um, there was, <laughs> recently, <laughs> there was an interview um, with, uh, with the younger of her two sons, um, Prince Frederick, uh, Crown Prince Frederick is the older uh, of the two, uh, and all of his children have the designation of his and her Royal Highness. But just recently, um, the younger son, Prince Joachim, Joachim, uh, his children, uh, the queen announced that she was removing the title of his or her um, royal highness um, 
from those grandchildren, and they would now be referred to as count um, or countess. Um, and I know you may, <laughs> I can tell you're, you're still with me, um, and yeah, this may seem this, this may seem um, silly, all of this, but one of the things that was interesting and, and what captured me is um, he was interviewed and he was sort of ambushed as he got out of his car, Prince Joachim, and uh, the person was asking him about his response. And, and you could tell that he was deeply, genuinely saddened um, by this. You could see it um, on his face. You could see it in the way that he uh, responded to the person. And what he said and what stuck with me, what resonated with me was, was this. He said, you know, my, my children, uh, well, he said, one, it, 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 it hurts. Uh, it, it, it hurts very much, uh, and I'm, I'm surprised um, by this. But this is the part that really um, resonated. He said, uh, my children feel as if their identity has been stripped away. And to some degree, it could be uh, easy, uh, myself included, you know, to see it as something, you know, I mean, titles, um, big whoop, uh, what's, to get, uh, what's to get upset about. But as far as the human toll, I, I, I get that. The way that his children understood themselves, their understanding of their identity, even if it was incorrect, even if it was misdirected and, and placed in the wrong things, their understanding of themselves and their identity has been taken away and they are understandably experiencing that um, as, as pain. Um, they are experiencing feeling bewildered, but, but more than that, they understood, they understood themselves relationally in a particular way, and now that's been taken away from them. And I share that with you as we, as we think about the prophet Habakkuk, and not only the prophet Habakkuk, but, but you and me as well. Again, rightly, we think about ourselves in relationship with God. And one of the things that Habakkuk was grappling with, as I mentioned earlier, was understanding himself and the people of Judah as God's people. And if they are experiencing these things, what, is, what does that say? But here's the amazing thing um, about faith. As I mentioned, faith expresses um, the breadth uh, of emotion, but uh, faith is not the absence of struggle. Faith is not the absence uh, of frustration. And we see that what exists, though, even in his frustration, even in this moment, what exists is a relationship. Because what does he do? Um, he, he, takes this, he takes this to God. And amazingly, as he takes this to God, more importantly than all of that, what we see is the nature and the character of God. Because rather than God uh, telling Habakkuk um, to, to keep his frustrations to himself, we see that God responds. And as these three chapters go back and forth, we see God and Habakkuk interacting with uh, one another. And God uh, reveals uh, dramatically to Habakkuk uh, that the Chaldeans, yes, they have their moment. The Chaldeans will have their moment, but it's just that, it's a moment. Uh, it is not lasting. What you, Habakkuk, are given, what you and I, people are God, are given is something which is lasting, not just a moment. As, as the prophecy um, goes on, uh, there are woes, uh, there are five woes spoken to the Chaldeans, and, and basically the, the long and the short is um, 
that you can take from the people now, you can oppress um, the people now, you can, uh, you can uh, overtake them by wine or by violence or by all these various means, but eventually the people are going to turn on you, and that which you have will be taken away from you. But what Habakkuk and the people of God have, despite the challenge of the moment, is something which is lasting, is something which will not be taken away. And Habakkuk says, you know what I'm going to do, God? I'm going to go and I'm going to stand on the watchtower and I'm going to wait for your response. Rather presumptuous. And what does God do? God responds. And He says those words, write the vision. Uh, if, it, if it tarries, wait for it. Surely it will come. It hastens um, to the end. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets um, so that a herald, so that he who sees um, may run with it. And, and what, is, um, what is the vision? The vision is that the righteous shall live by their faith. The righteous shall live um, by their faith. That relationship which cannot be um, stripped away from us, that we have been made God's sons and daughters, that we have been named uh, as God's heirs, and that through faith, that cannot be taken away from us. Uh, that faith ultimately, um, to you and to me, uh, is a gift. It's a gift to us given um, by God. I share two final quotes as I move toward the end here um, this morning. And, and the first comes from a gentleman by the name of James Edwards in a sermon he gave called Faith to Act. And he is preaching in particular on Gideon, uh, but it is entirely appropriate uh, to this as well. And he, and he writes this, God is in the business of transforming what is into what might be. Censure does not achieve that transformation, but solidarity and affirmation do. This is why God comes to us in our deepest troughs and needs with His forgiving and saving presence rather than with condemning judgment at the point where we are most vulnerable and alone, God says, I am with you. When I was 32, he writes, I was diagnosed with melanoma. The cancer was a level four, which indicated it was advanced and fast spreading. As I was being wheeled to the operating room, I experienced a loneliness greater than anything I had ever known. In that moment, I discovered that the physical presence of my wife and parents made all the difference in the world. The love and presence of my family were a veritable incarnation of God's presence. I learned something from that experience that the Bible teaches us in the stories of Moses and Gideon and many others. That crises in life are not always solved by answers. Would it, after all, lessen the pain of a person dying of cancer or of parents at the loss of a child to know why such tragedies befell them? When there are no answers, life is sustained and made bearable by companionship. I am with you, God says to Gideon. As the, the prophecy of Habakkuk goes on, he receives a theophany, a vision uh, of God. The vision and the reality that God is um, with him, and his prophecy ends with words of praise. But I share one final quote. I, I mentioned 
um, the hurricane. And one of the places we, we love to go is uh, Sanibel. And so, it, uh, it, well, devastating regardless, but it's a, but it's a place um, that we know. And there was a, a, a post actually uh, from Joey's Custard on Sanibel. And um, uh, yes, their custard is fantastic, but their ice cream is even better. Um, not that you asked. If you wanted to know, um, they bring it in from Wisconsin. Um, they actually <laughs> truck it in uh, from Wisconsin. And, and, in, the, and in the post, uh, they, they talked about the, the complete loss that they've been through, not only the loss of their, of their shop, but also their home as well, and their concerns for the people that worked for them and, 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 and the livelihood uh, their livelihood being affected also. But this is what they, they wrote in, in the post. Their overall loss is huge. We hurt. It would be an understatement to act like we know what is ahead and how long things will take, but we cling to the quote that was in front of Joyce for the last year. Uh, they have a little sandwich board out in front of the shop, uh, and this is the quote that has been on that sandwich board this past year. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. In Habakkuk, God reveals himself, his nature and his character and his gracious saving presence despite hardships and trials and and questions seemingly going unanswered. And of course, you and I have that even greater gift of Jesus Christ. The way in which God reveals his nature and his character to you and to me is one who comes to save, to reconcile, to secure us in this moment, uh, to secure us uh, in the future in such a way that nothing can strip that away from us. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know our you know our questions and our uh, frustrations. And as we bring those to you, we give you great thanks and praise that you are, uh, that you're more gracious than we deserve. Uh, and that you, before we even bring these to you, that you seek us, you are more ready to seek and to forgive than we are to pray. Draw our hearts uh, and our lives to you. Fill them uh, with your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.